April Fool's Day, right? Yeah. Oh, April Fool's. But not really, because it's a new my first time. And there are no pranks. No. That I know of. I'm Maybe. not planning to pull a prank. Maybe somebody else will. But one of our guests might. I'm Colleen Smith. I'm Mary Jo Smith. And no, no relation. relation. With us, as always, is Dr. Phone Smith. All right. Related to me. But not to me. Name. Although I do have a brother named Ian Smith. This is so confusing. Yeah. yeah. And a sister named Jennifer Smith. And a sister named Jennifer, Jennifer Smith. Smith. I know. Weird. It's very weird. The whole thing is weird. Well, the Smith thing and then just incredibly common names. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly. Um, Thanks for sucking all of the mystery and magic out of that story <laughs> for me, but whatever. Um, uh, this month's theme... Uh, is the first time I fell in love. Yeah, or the first time I knew I was in love. The first time I knew I was in yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're taking this loosely, and it'll stretch and grow. We'll see. Um, our guests this uh, uh, month? This month, April 1st. Yeah, yeah, are Carrie Turner. Carrie Turner, Yay. the fabulous Carrie Turner. Kevin Birdson. You're allowed to clap, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and Michaela Watkins. Yeah. Yay. Uh, and as always, we will each tell a story, and then um, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. I don't know why I felt the need to say that. Good, in case somebody was worried that it would sure. turn into a play. Sure. Um. Um. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is my turn. All right. Okay. So, I was thinking about this, and I realized that I have actually never been in love. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Which is sad. And this morning when I told my brother that, he went... Oh, Colleen. Uh, <laughs> um, but honestly, um, I haven't. I've, I've only been in one long-term relationship, and it was in high school. And um, I, Not that I don't think people are capable of love in high school, but I definitely wasn't. Um, and I've just been... Uh, I have great loves in my life, like my family and my friends, and so I definitely have loves and moments where I made choices to love somebody and to get go through hard times with them and to... To be like, I made a choice to be around them, to be with them, even though I, it would be easier to pull away based on love. So I have experienced intense, incredible love, just not intense romantic love. Um, and it's funny because I was thinking about that first relationship, and I'm like, well, I said I loved him, so maybe I did. Maybe I just, I haven't had another love to compare, and maybe if I went back. But I think about all the things when people talk about love, and when I think about the people I genuinely love, and I'm like, no, it was like an ego, it was all ego based that I said I loved him because he said it, and then I felt like I had to say mm -hmm. it. And then I remember we moved to LA together, and after living together for nine months, basically broken up, but still hooking up, he moved back home, and I was living alone. And I needed something from him. I can't remember what it was, but we were on the phone talking. Wait, this is the same high school guy? Same high school guy. Oh. We moved from Hawaii to L.A. together. And I was on the phone doing something, and I needed, like, he owed me money, or I had to send him something or whatever, and he was, like, staying with a friend. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you the address but like, or the phone number, but I don't want you to, like, use it because I don't want you bo bothering me or something weird and mean. Yeah. I mean, I was... 18 he was 21 that's what you do i think you're just cruel to each other mm. um but i remember saying like sobbing on the floor like do you still love me and i knew i knew i didn't love him i just wanted him to love me <laughs> and uh and i so i think back on that and i go like okay yeah that's not love that's it's, <laughs> it's ego and, and manipulation and the thing too yeah and insanity and i don't really think he loved me and i don't think i ever believed it Anyway, and that just goes into a whole horrible spiral of self-worth. But 
There is something besides my family and my friends that I love and I have loved from a very young age. And I, it's one of my true loves. And it is television. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, Michaela, that, I, I think actually, I'm sorry, when Ian went, oh, Colleen, it was when I said that. <laughs> but, okay, so when I think about when people classically talk about love and what they've been through and, and, and how they felt about it, I will say I've had a very dramatic and romantic relationship with television <laughs> so I was raised in the 80s I was lucky to have parents or probably not lucky maybe I would have been an athlete or something lived up to my potential but I was lucky lucky enough to have parents who were affluent enough and to live in a time where we had at least three TVs and we had cable mm -hmm. on at least one of the TVs one one yeah one TV had cable the other two I think were rabbit ear TVs but one had cable and uh Younger life, I don't 100% remember exactly what happened, but I remember there were definitely periods of time where it was my brother, my little sister, and I, and we would get that Sunday thing in the newspaper that was like the week of TV, and we would go through it. And I think it's called a TV guide. TV guide, but not the TV guide, because oh. the TV guide is... I would actually look at the TV guide in the grocery store mm -hmm. and be like, oh my God, it has even more like clues and secrets. <laughs> and every once in a while I'd be at someone's house That's where I- That's how they get you. Yeah. Because yeah. I would see, I'd be at somebody else's house and I'd see a TV guide and I'm like, oh, they know so much more than I do about what's happening. <laughs> and I 100% believe that rule that you're not allowed to like read magazines while waiting in line at the grocery store with your parents. So I wouldn't, but I would look at them with hunger and, and lust. <laughs> but we just had the normal flat thing and you would go through it and it was just, you know, back then I think there were still only about 60 channels so it could fit on one page, mm -hmm. day and night. And we would chart out what we were going to watch. You know, summer months were harder because you had nothing to do all day. And I just want you to know, I grew up in Hawaii. We had a pool, a yard, <laughs> dogs. An ocean. An ocean. Mm -hmm. Millions of things. Bikes. I think this movie Wally was based on. Yeah, a hundred percent those people that are on those whatever. And all we ever did was watch TV. And I remember they mm -hmm. had those studies where they said how the average the kids watched. It's like, well, I get out of school at one thirty. We get home at about two thirty, and my mom and dad don't get home to make dinner until about seven. So we're watching TV straight from two thirty to seven. And then we have dinner, and then sometimes if we're sly about it, we can leave the TV on while we watch dinner. I mean, while we eat dinner, and then we go straight back to watching primetime, and then I go to bed. So it was like, I'm watching a lot more TV than everybody else, and I'm doing this every single day except for the weekends, in which I just get up and watch TV all day. <laughs> and the weird thing is, I'm, I'm more... I, I'm more well-read than most people I know. So somewhere in this time, I also found time to not go out in the sun and enjoy the outdoors and read. Um, and I think that was only in those weird deserts where we would look up at each other and be like, there's nothing to watch. <laughs> there's not a Banachek or a Columbo. It's Macmillan and Wife, and we don't like Macmillan and Wife. Or it's, a, it's the 18th millionth episode of Golden Girls with uh, Cheesecake, and we just can't watch it. So there were these moments where I think we looked up and breathed. But... We loved it, and um, so I have two occasions of TV where I know that I loved it, besides this, the horribly obs obsessive thing. The first one was, at some point, my parents were either too poor or frustrated with us. Their story was they were frustrated. It might be a money thing, but they cut off TV. They cut off cable for a year. Mm. 
Now, it was a good plan. Like, you don't give them TV. They'll do more. They'll get out. But it backfired horribly. I think we had about 30 videotapes in the house. And every single day that we didn't have other things to do, we would go through those 30 videotapes. Such as? Uh, Prince of Darkness. Wait, did you have Secret to My Success? We did oh. not have Secret to My Success. <laughs> but we had been, we were those people who had two VCRs, so we would record tapes off of tapes. Like you'd get something from Blockbuster and you could oh. record it. Oh. And we would have the TV guide, so we would check when a good movie was playing on HBO, and that whole da na 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 And we would record movies off of HBO, so we had them. And then you look at the pamphlet for the HBO to see if there's nudity in it, and you're like, let's move that up the... Yeah, yeah, let's move it up the... <laughs> the viewing queue. <laughs> but um, we had... So we had about 30 things, so it was all three Star Warses, Evil Dead 2, because a movie theater, a small movie theater, a video store got closed because Blockbuster. So Ian went and bought a bunch of movies. So we had um, Prince of Darkness, Evil Dead 2, um, do we have Tremors? Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead, which we watched over and over. Like, people will be like, you've seen Clue over like 200 times and they think it's an exaggeration. And I'm like, no, if you if all you do all day is watch the same video, like it's not hard. It's like asking someone who's OCD, like how many times you watched your hands. Were they all macabre? Or was it like they were all pretty dark. Grease too was. No, I mean that, I'm trying to think of other things. I we've gotten rid of so many of them. I should have like taken a picture of all the handwritten names of movies that we had recorded that we decided were important and we needed like to that see. Documentary wolf pack or whatever. Yeah, those kids that were crazy. And then when we would run out of those, my mom would take us to the library and we would rent $1 movies. And so I saw a lot of weird movies. I remember once the librarian was like, who are you renting all these movies for? And she's like, oh, my daughters. Because I think at this point, Ian was old enough that he could go out and leave the house. And um, <laughs> By choice. On like, his own volition. Like you could, too, yeah. but you liked your TV <laughs> But my mom got looking for Miss, Mr. Goodbar and the oh, lady was shit. like... Uh, I don't think this is appropriate for children. And Jennifer and I watched the first 10 minutes of Looking for Mr. Goodbar, and we're like, no, 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 okay. And we stopped watching it. Oh but then either through frustration, because nothing had changed, or they had more money, cable was turned back on again, and life was how it should be. But then this is how I 100% know. But you really, like, love it. I, I love it. And I, if, if I'm in another country where um, they don't have... Uh, English TV, because even in other countries where they speak English, TV is different and it it agitates me a little bit. But when I'm in another country where there's no English television at all, like I was just in Rome, and um, it's not being able to turn on the TV and just have it there when I'm in a hotel. Like, I can go all day. I just need that, like, 10 minutes at the end of the night where it's just on and I feel like I'm connected to the world. And this is the thing... That I, th that I think fundamentally is why I love television and, and what helped with Hawaii and helped with the end of my story is I did feel cut off and isolated from the world. And because we were, you know, we're in a densely populated place, but it's still an island. It's far away. And everything I wanted to be and everything I wanted to do was on TV. Everybody was living in New York and cities and everybody had friends and they were, and everything. You could have had someone else if you actually left the house. Yes, <laughs> but honestly, too, there, there was, I mean, you know, when you I really got in, it's an island if you look at a map. I know, but, <laughs> but Stay even when island. I, when I got into high school and you know, I started to have more adventures and I did watch way less television because I had a boyfriend and I had all these things. Um, it's, 
it's not what you think it's going to be. You know, it's, you don't walk into, it's not 16 candles. You don't walk into these places and it's, it, it, it works out. A lot of times it's just kind of boring and everybody's boring because people are boring. Um, anyway, so I move. They're not all sitting around eating cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, they're not all jabbing at each other about their sluttiness in their 60s. Um, but when, so when I was living in LA, LA was definitely a situation where I loved it instantly, but I was also like, oh, this isn't, you move to a city and all of a sudden all your troubles are gone. It's still isolating. You're still figuring stuff out. You're still trying to make friends. I didn't instantly become a famous actress. What, it, you know, I still had to work and figure it out. And after my ex-boyfriend moved back, I had to move into an apartment by myself. And the first apartment we lived in was fully furnished and had a TV and cable. And the apartment I moved into uh, had nothing, literally nothing. And um, so I'm living alone. I'm 18 years old. This is the first time I've lived alone in my entire life in an empty apartment. Mm. I bought a bunch of blankets because I didn't have a bed. So I was sleeping on the ground um, on these blankets. And the first night I had this weird John Saul book about people who like could only breathe carbon dioxide. It was something volcano something. And I did laundry. Um <laughs> and then the second night I had, I'd read the book and I had nothing. And I remember calling home and sobbing on the phone because I felt so isolated and scared and upset. And I didn't know what to do when I was a hundred percent alone. And I went to work the next day and everybody was like, are you okay? And I was just like, it's just, I don't have a bed and I don't have a team and I'm just... Like, just so scared and alone and devastated. And um, they took me to go buy a bed, which got delivered a few days later. And they took me to go buy a TV, my very nice coworkers. And I bought this TV. And I got it home. I plugged it in. It was still rabbit ears. But it didn't have sound. Oh. And I was like, I don't know what. And, but my next door neighbor would listen to TV really, really loud. <laughs> and she would leave her door open. So I turned my TV to whatever channel she was watching just so I could, and it, it didn't, because she didn't watch things I wanted to watch. It was just so I felt like there was somebody else there. That's love. And in the room. <laughs> and I was like, and it instantly calmed me down like a balm, like, you know, what's her name? Temple Grandin and her, oh, you know, her squeeze box. And then I went to work the next day and they were like, well, why you, because my friends had driven me to go get this because I didn't have a car at the time uh, to get the TV. They're like, while you're waiting, TV, but not a car. Yeah. yeah, while you're waiting to get, and by the way, I bought a TV either before I bought a bed or at the exact same time, but it was like really? number one and two priority. They gave me this small little TV that was like sitting upstairs at work that nobody needed for a while. And it, it had sound. And I think I had my bed by then. I have a memory of like lying at the edge of my bed, looking at this tiny, tiny TV with rabbit ears and being so contented. Because <laughs> I was with the world and I, I could connect with it and I wasn't alone. And, and I probably some of this is like you grow up in a house with five other people and two dogs. You're used to just like sound and noise constantly. And the idea of being in a place that's 100% silent and there's nothing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I will say, like, the way that I feel like, you know, I love, 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 love my siblings so much, which I think anyone listens to this podcast and anyone who knows me knows they come up constantly. The way that, like, if anything's wrong, they're the first people I crave and they're the first thing I need and they make me feel better and whatever. 
TV is also one of those things that if I'm stressed or upset or tired or lonely or sick, just being able to like put the television on and have it be there soothes me. Anyway, so hmm. my first and maybe if nothing ever happens, only <laughs> true love <laughs> is television. And that's my story. Yay! Yay! Sorry, 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 so, sorry. So like one network you're more loyal to than another? Um, it used to be NBC because of uh, Must See TV. Sure. And I was obsessed with it. I remember reading articles about like how it was, you know, when George Clooney left ER, it was like the man who anchored the show that anchored the night that anchored the network. I remember that sentence. Mm-hmm. This is when you would buy the magazines? No, I, I think... I, oh, yeah, I wrote that down. I need to, there's a rule? You said, I always follow the you rule to, to not look at the magazines and lie at the grocery store. What's the rule? You know how they tell you, you like, don't... It. Yeah, don't browse magazines in the... Oh, unless you were going to buy. Yeah, you're not... Sweet. I am a lawbreaker. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yesterday, that's why they always right. show those women in TV shows going, "You gonna buy that?" Yeah, and it was always like an indicator of a kind of flippant character when they would be looking through a magazine and then put it back in the thing. That that was a person that was knowing. Yeah, like they were not a great person because they read a magazine. I'm learning so much. But I mean, this is all what TV taught me about morality, <laughs> which is like advertisers. Like, can you put it in there that they shouldn't be reading the magazine? I can just that imagine was early you like, in that little empty apartment, and you're like, "This is not how friends lived." Like, no, yeah, nothing at all was how. It was crazy. It was a crazy, weird, that apartment. Yes, I think back on that apartment, and and it, yeah, I wish I was me now in that apartment. I would have had the best time. <laughs> But I would have moved me out of that apartment and I would have moved me into my current apartment and known the people I know now. So I guess it's all it all worked well, out. What are you watching on TV right now? Oh, the last thing I watched on TV? Oh, I rewatched Jessica Jones. Rewatched it? Yeah. Because really? really? I watched Daredevil really Season good. 2. That's Netflix? Yeah. yeah. I watched Daredevil Season 2 and it was not awesome. There's a lot of stuff that's so really annoying about it. Yeah, so I wanted to go back to Jessica Jones being amazing. Oh, it looks so good. Looks yeah, and David Tennant is... He's the thing. Jesus, like, he's amazing. All right. All right. Very heavy. Hey, Chelsea, you ready? Okay. This is very large. Should I get a phone book? Can you hear me okay? All right. Um, okay. I'll put my glasses on so I can think. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to talk about, really, because um, I always am like, you know, from when I was when I was four years old, I my mom had one of her students over named Claude Modesti and I was four and I looked at him and said, you have the most beautiful eyes. (laughs) And my mom's like, okay, we're going to lock you up. (laughs) And so I've always been super boy crazy. And, uh, but what you just described about that feeling of TV is, you know, legit. What I I feel like I've been in love, you know, multiple times. And I, I'm now happily married. And that, that is like the, the feeling of like connection, no matter what mood you're in and really, you know, looking to that person as the panacea as the only person who can really supply that kind of just in, instinctually or intuitively knowing what it is you need even if they're not doing anything yeah just by being 
you know, it didn't matter what you were watching. It was like, you know. So I, then I was thinking, well, maybe I should talk about the first time I, I think I was sort of loved in the sense that being loved back. Like it wasn't about, because um, my first kiss, I mean, I was super obsessed with him and that like sort of set the hook for how I was going to react to men for <laughs> the next like 25 years, which was like, just think about them and pant. <laughs> <laughs> And and reflect deeply on all of my flaws and why they will never like truly mm -hmm. you know you know like the, this kid who I the first boy I ever kissed like I would set you know no parents were ever home because we were all latchkey kids and so I would you know set bait by having my hot friends come over and I'd be like you want to come over and play Monopoly <laughs> 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 and he'd come over and like flirt with my hot friends you know and I'd just be like. I hate myself. <laughs> 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 what am I doing? <laughs> I just hate myself. Um, so, I, yeah. So, but then um, when I was 16, no, when I was, um, I went to music camp, which was like, you know, I was, I was sort of, what do they say in 16 Candles? Like, he's like, I'm kind of king of the dipshits. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. What did you play? I played piano and flute, and uh, I sang a hymn here and there. But uh, <laughs> but but I played mostly played piano. That was sort of my my major, I guess. And and it was full of super nerds. And um and and at camp I was hot <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I just uh, yeah, boys seriously liked me. And and I think it's where I got a personality, you know, because. Uh, I mean, a sense of humor for real, because that was my always my way in. Because that's where boys actually would find that attractive at at music camp, not at my actual junior high. So, um, so that was good. I was burning and turning there. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I met Josh Greenberg, who I just sort of set my my um, crosshairs on him immediately. And you know, we were young, and it was like sort of that flirty thing where boys are super afraid to talk to girls. He was a drummer, um, so very intelligent. And um, <laughs> no, he was actually really intelligent. It turned out he was really intelligent, which I'll, I'll get into that. But every summer, you know, I'd come back and it was like all about Josh. And then one summer we, we didn't cross because I came the second half of summer. He came the first half of summer and he was with some other girl. And I, I, I was... I, 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 it was a broken heartedness. I, you know, had unfortunately came to know again and again throughout my life, but it was, it was definitely like the heart, like just a sickening, can't eat, can't sleep, just throwing up, just, just the thought that my Josh was with some other chick, you know, some fucking violin player. <laughs> <laughs> was more than I could bear and everybody at camp made fun of me because I was mopey and tired and you know I was crying and sad and and I just kind of kind of became a joke that summer of just like uh -huh. you know <laughs> like girls were really mean to to other girls at that weird age and and it was like people were really reveling in my unhappiness and I was sort of confounded by it because camp was such my happy place and here I was just completely this like husk of a human <laughs> walking around the practice cabins wondering how I was anyway go to I go to Cape Cod my mom used to rent this like shit shack there and um for a week every summer and he lived in this mansion in, in like the really nice part and it does it was it was like it was like pretty in pink you know where where I was like from the other side of the tracks and and 
<laughs> the other side of the tracks. When we're vacationing in Cape Town. But, you know, I would, it was just my mom, this divorce day, and I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> we end up seeing each other, and we kiss, and then it was just on. We were, like, back. We wrote letters for a whole year, you know, just jokey letters, mixtapes, mixtapes, mixtapes. It was super, I was a super goth at that point, and discovering, you know, just the Smiths and R.E.M. and Susie the Banshees and the Chameleons, and I was just, you know, all that, and, and we were just delivering music to each other, and, and, you know, the cure, and the, the everything, and Bauhaus got just everything, and, and then we go back to camp, and, and we already, you know, the bait was, the hook was set, so we were together at the, you know, on and off, whatever, for four years, I mean, from when I was 12, essentially, wow. to when I was 16 or 17. Wow. Yeah, and we, you know, he lived in Connecticut. I was living in Boston. I would, you know, save money for bus tickets for my bakery job to go visit him. And I, I knew his family. You know, it was like one of these things. It was just way too young to have that kind of intense of a relationship. And um, we were just super in love. And then, but Jesus Christ, I was 16. When I was 17... I went to England on a summer trip, like an exchange program at my high school. And um, you just go for a few weeks or whatever. And I totally met this cute, I mean, just British accent. Yeah. That's it. They yeah. just be like, you're a fucking twat. And I'd be like, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Oh really uh, yeah, accurate. it was pretty great. Pretty great. Um, I just be like, it didn't take much. And I, like I said, I was real boy crazy. And I, 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 as soon as I just, for the first time, I looked at an, another way. You know, I looked at another person, and then I never wanted to kind of look back at Josh. And and it was sad because I, I know I broke his heart. You know, he had broken mine years earlier, but I knew uh, then I had broken his, and it was, I, 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 I was just, I felt cruel, and I think, I think that's what happens to guys, maybe. Am I right, Kevin? I don't know. Like, Ian, do you want to speak to this? Like, boys are, my sister always said to me, marry him before some girl really fucks him up. And, like, I think that's what happens is, like, you a guy gets their heart broken, and then they spend, a, like, most of their 20s and 30s getting back at wow. chicks. I don't know. Um, you put women on a platter at an early age, and then it all comes shattering down. Yeah. Platter or pla- uh, podium? <laughs> uh, uh, pedestal. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, bladder is not great. <laughs> With an apple in their mouth. The ball gag. Um... <laughs> So, uh, I don't really have anything conclusive to say, except something very strange happened um, a few years later. I, I, you know, went, I graduated high school, I went to college, I went to school in Boston, I know he went to Columbia, I heard sideways reports about it. And like I said, he, I, I, went in, I went abroad my junior year to Italy, and I met this girl, Carolyn, who is still a dear friend, you know, many years later, and... I went to go visit her. She went to Barnard, which is part of Columbia. And I went to go visit her in New York. And when I got there, she said, we're going to go out with my friend Robert. And I said, oh, and I was walking around the campus. And I said, I feel like I'm going to run into my first boyfriend. Um, 
you know, totally, by the way, lost my virginity to this guy. You know what I mean? Like right. The, the whole McGill. At 16? Yeah. So you waited till 16 from 12. I yeah. Saying. I mean, at that point, we dry humped so hard. Like, <laughs> the fact that I had a clitoris left and that I had not <laughs> filed down by my denim jeans into, like, just a total smooth nub is oh, amazing yeah. to me. Um, because that's, it was a lot of that. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, hi, mom. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, but I, so we're walking around the campus and I'm like, just show me the campus before we go out. And, uh, Robert was a musician as well. And, and I said, I feel like I'm going to see my first boyfriend. And they said, I said, I know he went to Columbia. I know he's at Columbia. And they said, well, what's his name? And I said, Josh Greenberg. And Robert said, I know Josh Greenberg. And, um, I was like, who doesn't know a Josh? Right. <laughs> I know John yeah. So I thought Carolyn was kind of putting me on with her friend and it's something we do all the time when she comes visit me. I was like, pretend you know so-and-so and just, I don't know why I thought that was funny. Like, <laughs> pretend you know someone she knows. I am seen. But, uh, so <laughs> she, so I just said, um, I said, um, pretend, pretend. I thought that, sh that that Robert was doing that, and, and he said, no, 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 I, I know who he is. He's a drummer, right? And I was, yeah, he is a drummer. And he goes, um, and he's like a physicist. He's like a physics major, which I recall that was something he was going to do. That's what I mean. Not so stupid, guys. Right. Yeah. Um, and I said, yeah. He goes, he's in a band. Actually, and then he turns to his left and points to one of those kiosks in the middle of a campus where people like uh -huh. put up notices. He goes, he's in a band. It's called, and then he points to this flyer, and he goes, Einstein's Mind. That's the name of their band. And he goes, and, and read, 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 he's playing tonight. Oh my <laughs> read, God. read, read, right over there. And across the street was this bar. And I, like, as if possessed by a greater force, I start moving <laughs> towards the bar, like, what? <laughs> and I start walking towards the bar, and I... I go in, I go downstairs, I hear music playing, I look on stage, there is Josh fucking Greenberg playing the drums, and I'm standing there in the audience like, yeah. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck just happened? He's playing, he's playing, he's hitting the beats, he's listening to beats, he looks up, I'm like smiling like a, the shit, you know, what shit <laughs> Shit-eating grin. Shit-eating, I was going to say a shithouse. <laughs> shithouse grin. <laughs> it's a shithouse grin. That's something. Um, <laughs> so, wait a minute, he, so he was hitting the beats. He was hitting the beats. I was smiling like ear to ear like, ah! <laughs> you know, like just a crazy, like a crazy lady. And he's kind of nodding like, hey, hey. Lady, yeah. I mean, lady, whatever. I was like twenty, you know, right. three, and I and I'm going, okay, man, hi. You like, and then I see him slowly. I just see all of it wash on his face, where you see that it's me, and he just kind of, I just see his look. All of a sudden, determination is going play, 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 Ooh. play, and, and and it was this weird cataclysmic Ugh. moment where I thought, this is this is the most romantic thing that could ever possibly happen <laughs> he's my destiny we're gonna be together forever this is he looks fucking hot by the way like time it's been good to him. we're 23 um and uh yeah i just i i just was so blown away he gets off we the stage and and we go and talk we go back to his dorm or apartment or whatever people are living in in new york and college and um 
and we're up all night talking, talking, catching up, catching up, catching up, and right back into that thing of finishing, you know, be, being really silly and finish that same 12 year old sort of sweet, innocent kind of puppy love kind of thing. And I just said, um, do you want to, should we, you know, the sun's starting to come up and I'm like, should we, do you want to, I mean, like this is most things in college cul like culminate in some form of groping. Right. right. So like, do we, is this, do you want to, should we <laughs> make out? And he went, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and, uh, you know, he, by the way, he had told me in, in this conversation about how the, the degree to which I had hurt him, which it hadn't occurred to me because I was just an asshole. You know what I mean? I was like, I just, we were growing up. We want to experience new horizons. And I was just ready to just yeah. move on. Like we'd, we'd done that. We'd gone to the end of the road. We screwed. We checked <laughs> off our boxes, you right. know, like, well, we do get married at 16. No, right. it's crazy. Um, and so I thought, well, then, then this is true love. Like we should, we should kiss. We should consummate this somehow. This is such a crazy coincidence. Uh, and he said, no. And I said, well, uh, okay. <laughs> Ow ouch. Um, why? And he said, I said, oh, is it because like, you know, <laughs> this is like, what a delusional shithead I was. <laughs> but I go, oh, is it because, uh, is it because there's a lot of, you know, like it'll, it'll bring up a lot of, a lot of old pain or something <laughs> like that. And he's like, no, it's that in my mind I imagine this moment uh, for a long time. And, uh, and, I, and now that it's here, I don't imagine that anything that we would do would live up to the idea in my mind of what it would be if we ever crossed paths again. And so we're just going to let that like sit out there. And that was it. Wow. And we shook hands, you know. That's an epic story. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Good for him, though. That's a good line. I know. So I was like, like, that was a baller move right there. Yeah, I basically, like, like, you're going to be a disappointment, so. Yes. Yeah. I know. He, he had wrote no... it seven years earlier. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He practiced that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah no. Oh, that's good. I don't, yeah, that would be, yeah, it was a baller move. I was like, that's cool. Um, and also I'm so rejected and now super horny, but, um, but that's okay. And, and then I've totally lost touch with him. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where to find him. I don't know anything him and try to look up Josh Greenberg on the, right across the street, right over there. What an odd, like you were standing on like a speck of dirt on the planet uh -huh. at exactly the right moment in time. When I said, him. I feel like I'm going to see my first boyfriend. That's nuts. And That's Robert, so who doesn't even go to Columbia, but happens to be a musician, said, oh, yeah, I know who he is. Well, here's a flyer right at arm's reach. Yeah, wait, but that, yeah, that's what they're called. Uh, they're playing tonight. I mean, huh. it was just, it was bananas. That's so crazy. Yeah. Wow, good story. Anyway, yeah. Wow. We should find out if physics or, or music won. Guys. He's on MySpace. What if physics <laughs> is music? <laughs> they are one. They are one. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's intense. The end. <laughs> <laughs>
And him, yeah, no contact sense. That no was contact. It. I, no contact. And like I said, a, a crazy name to try to look up yeah, on the yeah, internet. Yeah. You know. And you should try MySpace. But uh, <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. But it's funny. Like every relationship, I would say that was sort of substantial had the ones that were true and dear and and deep and sweet. All had were some machination of uh, that form of of where we were just totally ourselves with each other and um, you know that completely comfortable to some degree probably way too comfortable but um, you know and 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 I I don't know it was just it was sort of a very mature relationship to have at a very immature age but wow. that's that's how I rolled. That's <laughs> really good. That's a great story. And we're on. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome back. Um, yeah, Kevin Bernson. Um, I thought about this a little bit because, you know, there's options out there, mm-hmm. but it's been a long time, I think, since I've had, a, you know, sustained love, and I, it's still something I'm maybe experiencing now. It's it's so difficult to to know. But, um, but I was thinking about the first, when you're like 14 and your hormones are exploding, and you're in school, and you're like in prison, which is what junior high felt like, and, and high school. You know, I definitely fell in love to the extent that I could. Although that was the age of Romeo and Juliet, so mm-hmm. maybe it, you know he was a little more uh, poetic than I at the time. But I was just horny, and I, I did fall for this my Hebrew school teacher's daughter. But the first time I <laughs> I fell in love, love, and I. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my teachers. <laughs> of course, you have like a one out of five shot uh, with, with that name. No, um, uh, it was Sigalit's daughter, and she's happily married now, and she's wonderful. And you know, I lost my virginity to her and everything. Hi, mom. But um, <laughs> but I think that what was crazy for me is I never felt free to love. I felt really repressed from an early age. I always felt like I, for some reason, I wouldn't get the girl. You know, when I like in first grade, when all the girls were t- chasing Christopher Sachs around the yard, <laughs> he was tall, blonde. You know, and I was like, I don't get the girls. You know, and so I told that message. So I never had this. You know, I internalized that. So I never really went after the girls that I wanted, and many of my relationships were kind of secretive and furtive. Is that mm-hmm. a word? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and t- and the, the and in keeping with that, the first kind of adult love that I had was I spent the year, uh, my junior year abroad in Denmark in Copenhagen, and I was kind of miserable the first month or two because I was learning this horrific language. I don't <laughs> recommend it. Uh, and they all speak English better than we do, uh, but. I started to do, I found the English department, they were doing a play of like Love's Labor's Lost and I was into acting and I was like, finally. And one of the actresses in there who wasn't the greatest actress, but uh, I had a crush on a couple that were all named like Bettina or like Dolta, you know, these weird <laughs> names. And so I was like crushing on a few of them. And then one woman, uh, you know, student there, uh, she was Danish and, and she asked to like run lines with me and we weren't even in the same scenes. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay. You know, so I got all prepped, you know, and she came over to this apartment I was in in Copenhagen and, and, you know, I'm like, got all the lines out and I'd highlight, I guess I'm like, I'll help her and she'll help me. And she like came in and she was like a woman, they're women there, you know, and they're free and they're Scandinavian and sex is not like weird and repressed from my Mormon Jewish, you know, household where it was never talked about it. Long story. But, uh, so she comes in and just like sits down, takes off these like leather boots that were enormous. Like, and, uh, and she's like, I want to have an affair with you. And I was like, 
judging. I was like, I was, she was 24. And you were 16? I was 14. No, uh, no, this was in my junior year abroad of, oh, college. Uh, of college. Oh, yeah. So I was, I was like 20 at the oh. time and had no, I was like, what, what? It was so like, you were the virgin. no, I was okay. not a virgin. I lost it to the uh, Hebrew right, school right, teacher's right, daughter right. who, who, who really was my first love in a way, but I, I couldn't t- differentiate between hormones yeah. and like true love. But, uh, so this, you know, she wanted to have an affair and then kind of came out that she was dating some guy, but they had an open relationship and he was in America now. So I was like, okay, you know, and, uh, you know, we had amazing two minute sex, you know, which was the norm, you know, there and, and, but gradually Wait, it, did, is that something you tell yourself? Or uh, uh, what? <laughs> that was long. No, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's what I told myself. It was just the norm for me at that age. Um, and so, uh, Gradually, though, this weird affair like deepened and, um, and you know, it was very intimate because we were obnoxious. Like, we'd have sex in the apartment, and there, I had like two kind of studious Danish roommates who didn't, you know, rarely bang the wall, you know, but it was like candles and we'd listen to the Beatles, and, <laughs> you know, and these weird Danish groups or Euro, you know, and and it became intensely romantic, you know, uh, and. And all of a sudden, we you know we found the commonality like our humor, you know. And she was actually half Irish. I think her dad was Irish, and so it wasn't like she was, you know, full Dane. But we we just had this <laughs> this intense relationship, and it was like all of a sudden I found myself like falling in love and wanting her to come over, and it was just beyond the sex and everything. Uh, long story short, the dude comes back from America. Turns out he was actually the guy who had showed me around the city, oh. like the nicest guy oh, on the planet. No. Okay, and uh, she said it was an open relationship. Well, she told me that, and then like I guess when he came back, she was so into me at the time it, that it had become more of like a you know, or that's what she claimed. But she said uh, she ended up crying and confessing everything to him the day we were supposed to have this big group dinner and everything. So uh, I went to this dinner knowing that he knew. And the cold energy of enmity and hatred coming from him, understandably, was unbelievable. I think he kind of looked at me and maybe shook my hand even, but I literally felt cursed for doing that for for years. I, I thought it was bad karma, and sure enough, like two years later, I got cheated on because, but I found out she hadn't, re- she, you know, she ultimately was responsible. I'm just this naive kid, but yeah. she, like <laughs> she had said it was open, but it was maybe not as open as, as yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and I mean, to, to sum up, we, we kind of continued dating, but more sporadically after he came. And then the final night, um, I, I asked if we could have anal sex, and she said Ooh, no. What? And um, <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Literally, like the final night of the relationship or your final night there? Final night there in Denmark. Oh. I knew I was I was going on like a month long trip around Europe, and I knew it was like the last time so I'd like, see her. I'm not gonna see you for a really it's long like time sunny time. for like twenty of hours of the day, so it was like four in the morning. Like your sex encore, like and her last number. She had talked about it and said like that's all they did, you know, back in the the, yeah. So and I was like, oh golly, that doesn't sound right, you know. (laughs) And and then like you know, as it percolates for five months or something, (laughs) I was like, well, maybe we could try something different because it was like the last night, and she's like, okay, what, you know? And I'm like, do you want to try? 
Anal. anal and is that how you read she's every like, country? she's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I did go to Greece, no, um, no, but I, never take you to the airport. I, <laughs> how did she say no? She, it was nope. sad. That's what I remember. She was like, oh, no. <laughs> It was like not you know not tonight not that you know There's and nothing you should know about our country. <laughs> I lied earlier when I said that's all we do. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean the at least romantic <clears throat> way to leave I anything. No, that's who I was. I still probably am that guy, and I regret it to this day. But I, I mean, it happened. Do you have this in your Match.com profile? <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm only on seven other You'll apps, know our but never Match. Is ending when I asked yeah, for yeah, it was really <sighs> crazy. Um, so I mean, I could talk about what love. I it it was uh, it felt like an adult love at a certain point, and I've only touched upon it in a few other relationships. You know, my longest relationship, I realize now, I wasn't even in love with her. Uh, for more, you know, for more than two or three months early on, and that's the hard part is like getting past the honeymoon phase for me, you know. Um, yeah, it's like it's like television. The first season's great, and then it gets renewed, <laughs> and then they just get yeah. Um, but that's that's been a challenge. But I wonder, like, why do you think you stayed with somebody for three years? Like the same way that I told that guy I loved him, but I didn't. And I know the feeling of like, well, they say they love you and you know you have feelings for them. You know that they hurt you more than other people hurt you. You know you're attracted to them. You're excited when you're around them. Things are heightened because you like them. But you realize later it's not love. So what do you think with somebody who you're like, I don't think I really loved her for the majority of three years of a relationship. Why were you in a relationship for three years? Did you think you were in love? I think it goes to core issues about people pleasing and not wanting to hurt my mother probably when I was like seven months old, honestly. Like putting a, a, a primal caretaker's need above my own. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I also had no, a very little sense of self and what I, I wanted, you know? And so it all was suppressed and then it came out in crazy arguments that were dysfunctional with me trying to make up for, you know... You know, and I was also a pothead. We smoked. You know, feelings were kind of not when you're, you know, self-medicating like that. Not that I think pot isn't, you know, a good thing for many people, but for me, it, I think it was a way of coping. Sponsored by the pot lovers. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but for me, like we were just kind of hazy. Everything was vague and hazy, and so you know, I, I knew I was there was this kind of low-level anxiety and lack of ability to to be in touch with what I really wanted or feel even entitled. To break up with her it was really weird plus on paper i thought it was right at the time i was like well she went to berkeley and she's liberal and you know this should work you know family friend and it's it's sad i mean i wasted you know some valuable years of i was gorgeous back then no just kidding <laughs> no but uh, <laughs> so it's a good question i mean that's when you're no way oh this was oh yeah hmm thank you Vice versa. Person. Yeah, you were. <laughs> well, you guys no, totally missed that boat. <clears throat> anyway, that's my uh, that's my story. story. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing. Can we do anal tonight, please? <laughs> that could be its own show. Really. Oh, uh, the first the, time I did anal. Yeah, the first time I did anal. The first time and I or asked ask for anal. <laughs>
Yeah, <laughs> right guys, now. it's our next topic. Uh, Mary Jo and I will not participate. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't ask for it, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember anybody actually asking, but it happened. <laughs> I think I asked for it to stop, but I didn't ask for it to start. <laughs> uh, All right, well, you, Karen, bring yeah. it up. Bring us back to uh, oh, brother. the front. I don't even have a good anal story. Right, exactly. oh, I know. I you want me to leave? I'll just leave. Just Not without well. anal. Get out. All right, let's save her fast. Carrie Turner. Hey. Carrie Turner, welcome Carrie to the Turner. podcast. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Yippee. Um, I'm dying to know the, your story. The whole love thing to me was, I mean, it, there's one glaring name that that will that I still have a hang up about, that mm. I still dream about and think about. His family was my family, not really. I'm from Arkansas, but not that much <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> not that bad. Just you, but she ain't that country. Not that bad. <laughs> um, he was first everything, first love, first you know, first not first kiss, because that happened when I was chasing. Like you were talking about chasing the girls around the playground, I chased the boys around the playground. And one day Randall Davis in second grade decided he's gonna that kissing means open your mouth as wide as you can get it and then put it on your face. <laughs> and I was like, what the why would you just try and eat my face? That was so it was so offensive. And then when I did that, then he threw green beans at me at lunch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll show that. you I'll show you. You won't kiss me, I'll throw green beans at you. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sam, Sam um I was going to be a virgin when I got married. I mean, that's just a, that was a foregone conclusion, raised in a very Bible Belt Christian home. Um, and I was also never going to drink. Well, that all changed. <laughs> um, and it all kind of changed all at the same time, which stands to reason, because Sam's like, you know, if you drink apple malt duck really quickly, it doesn't affect you. <laughs> oh, of course not. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty smart girl. I should, I mean, I kind of knew that that was wrong and that it was a lie, <laughs> but I wanted to believe it so badly. And apple malt duck is delicious. What is it? I don't it's, know. it's like malt liquor. So it's like, it's, so it's wine with a kick. So it's kind of got more high, it's higher octane or something. Okay. It's like grain alcohol. It's, it's, well, no, it's actually kind of like, it's like, it's like sparkling wine, oh. but it's just high, higher in alcohol volume. Yeah. And they come in these little, little bitty bottles. So you practically don't know you're drinking six <laughs> of them. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, just, and so the day I said, after I had all the malt duck, I just came down. We were at a friend's house. He was two years older than me. It was a big deal. And he came down, I came down the stairs, and all of his buddies, his older buddies, you know, his cool schoolmate friends, seniors in high school, and I lit up like a Christmas tree, and I go, I'm a virgin. And I threw my hand in there. I'm a virgin. <laughs> and Sam is like, fuck you. I've been telling all these people this whole time that I that we're clearly doing it. And so, I know. And he said, uh, he said, the minute you're not, the second you're not a virgin anymore, I'm gonna come down those same stairs and I'm gonna tell everybody that you're not a virgin. I'm like, well, that's not gonna happen because I'm never gonna not be a virgin <laughs> until I'm walking down the aisle. Cut to more apple malt duck and it, we had waited. We really tried. We did everything like you're talking about wearing a hole in the front of your pants, just because <laughs> of the dry humping of it all. Everything to a point where I'm like, okay, enough. And I wasn't scared. There was never that onus. There was never any of that in my family that like that's sex is dirty. You wait to have sex till you're married, but it's not dirty. It's fun. Sex is a good thing if you're married. So we had tried ever, I mean, hands and places and things. I'm like, really? 
So finally, floor of my house in Arkansas, and I said, it's time. Like, I'm How over. Are you? 16. Okay. It's just an. It's time. It's time. <laughs> Sam. 16, Jesus. We had dated for nine months at that point, and then we continued to date. We dated for three years total, but yeah, he was my first. And then while I was in high school, and Sam, I was a cheerleader and student body president. Oh, <laughs> and he had rolled two cars by the time I came around. And when I was like, met, it was Moda. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Oh. Indeed. It's a heart to heart reference oh. to those of you who don't know. Moda. <laughs> well, yeah. That one. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was never going to date Sam in the first place because he was a bad guy. Like he had rolled, literally rolled and almost killed himself. Two different vehicles by the time, you know. Anyway, we were in art class together and um, he throws a note at me. And I'm like, in my little cheerleading outfit or whatever, I'm like, mm, the bad guy's throwing notes at me. <laughs> and so I'm, I read it and he goes, I'm, um, I'm, I'm senior VP. I'm senior vice president of student council, student body. And I'm like, got you. I'm... But I am president, student body president, by the way, not just of my class, but of the school, the whole school. <laughs> and I threw that back at him. And then all of a sudden, that little tingly thing, I was like, I like him. Whoa. I like him. But I can't date him. He smokes pot. And <laughs> he's not a virgin. And there was so much wrong with that. So, but oh, we got to. so footloose. <laughs> no, right? So, Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. You are so Molly Ringwald, yeah. and he is Judd Nelson. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, he was. Mr. Bad Guy, and I had parents that were, you know, pillars of the community, <laughs> doctor, you know, like, should arguably not, you know. So I go to Speedy Mart, like we do every morning. We all go to Speedy Mart, and so I'm talking to my girlfriend, Janet, at Speedy Mart, and she goes, you know what I think I like? I think I like Sam. I, that just hair stood up. I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nope, because he might. He might. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I changed <laughs> everything. But, um, and she's like, oh, well, all right. Like, she didn't, was nonplussed about it. Just like, ah, okay, you have him. I'm like, Phew, okay. Plus then I knew. There. Right, game <laughs> on. Now I have to, now I've admitted it. Now I have to, you know. And it became, Sam and I, like, we'd sneak out of the art class and we'd, like, do piggyback rides down the hall. And got busted every time. But it was just that kind of can't live, like, can't breathe. Can't love you so much. And we were so simpatico. And he was goofball and made me laugh and was... Just amazing. Here's a really shitty ending to the story. Yeah, um, no, no, not going. that shitty. He went off to college, and Doug, I'm not going to say Doug's last name, because Doug, very handsome Doug. So now I'm a senior, and Doug's a senior, and he moved in from out of state. So he was this new, crazy, tall, gorgeous blonde. like, And he was the basketball everything. He was Mr. and just stunning, like the tan, beautiful face with the blonde, yummy hair, and so, and from out of state, and blah, blah, blah. So I had this, got a big old crush on Doug. And, you know, Sam was off at, at a state college that was just, I don't know, he didn't know what he was doing. And I was like, um, I kind of, Bloom was off the rose a little bit. So Doug and I ended up dating. I broke, Sam and I broke up. Doug and I ended up dating. And then I broke up with Doug to go back to Sam because I was, Sam was my guy. By the way, his skin smelled like home. I know mm. that sounds harlequin romance, but... Uh. Just to put my nose right there in his, like in the nape of his neck was so, to this day, that's, I still have a... That's just real, that's just real. It's yeah. real, I know. Anyway, broke up with Doug, got back together with Sam, and then Doug, to this day, Doug became the president of Walmart, little store called Walmart. <laughs> of course, I grew up in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is the home of Walmart. 
So he became the president of Wal Sam's Club, then the president of Walmart. Now he's the president of Walmart globally. Wait, oh. but Doug was the president of Sam's Club. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah. thought of that. Oh, and then he, Doug found out that I wasn't a virgin, and I don't know what his hang up about no, that, why would you want one? So, <laughs> and we called it, we called our virginity, for whatever reason, dog, Doug called them nerds. Remember the little candies that yeah. were the nerds? He goes, well, you gave your nerds away to somebody else. Like, oh, gross. And I'm like, you're gross, yeah, you're gross, and I'm getting back together with Sam, who has my nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to keep giving him all my nerds, so... So now Sam's the president of Doug's club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was so, but I, you know, you, it's just dumb. So you leave, you leave the global Walmart giant to go back together with Sam, who just smells like home. So that's the end of that story. I mean, I don't. I would never have been happy with Doug. He wanted the two point four kids. He wanted all the stuff that I'm never probably gonna do. Right. So. How did it officially end with Sam? Did you just leave the state, or he? I went, ended up going to college in um, Oklahoma, and he stayed in Missouri, and we kind of back, flirted back and forth a little bit, and kind of kept in touch, mm -hmm. but it just space, time, yeah. you know, distance yeah. just ate us up. No, honestly, I, that smell thing, and I don't. I, sometimes I talk to men, and they know what I'm talking about, but I feel it's more of a woman thing, where like, you'll talk about the smell of a person, and it's. It's it it's weird. It like removes your brain. Like you'll be around somebody and you're like, I don't like them or whatever, and and then they'll smell them and it's like, Ugh. like I can't take yeah. it. And then but somebody. It's also a deal breaker if it's not. A yeah, yeah. I've had that happen once where it was like, I do not like the way you smell, and I was surprised by it, and I I really was like, oh, yeah, I, I can't is. see you anymore because you smell like burning rubber to me. Like, I can't. <laughs> He like a, t a tire on fire. <laughs> yeah, and they were, they were, like apparently that the pheromone thing, like yeah. smell, is um, people who should mate, people who are probably mm -hmm. attracted to each other, have um, different immune systems. So you, what you might be smelling mm. is like, oh, you know, while God forbid, you know, like Parkinson's may run in my family, but cancer runs in yours, but not Parkinson's, so we could mate and oh, interesting. Like yeah. gene. Huh. And it's like this total to protect the next future generation. Yeah, like you have asthma, I don't have any allergies, and you know, we go together. Like we should hmm. procreate. And Kyle Dunnigan said that he read some study where they had women blind smell t shirts worn by men. And they they were did that on The Bachelor last season. Was that they were most disgusted by their brothers. Oh, interesting. Because it, oh. it was too genetically close. Uh-huh. Um, did they do so that on The Bachelor? <laughs> I don't know that. Broadcast standards were going I do I know that I like people thought they were so cute, just at, like everything about them, and then got close enough to smell them and was like, nope, nope. And it's so hard because you look at them from a distance and you're like, you're really cute. Yeah, and then you get close, and they're breathing on you, and it's like, nope, I can't. Nope, nope. Uh -uh. Yeah, and then somebody else breathes on you, and you're like, turns into an idiot. Well, you know, because uh, I think everybody here knows this, and Chick has come, uh, you know, shared on this podcast about being transgender, and Chick is starting testosterone tomorrow, and one of my fears is I won't like the way I smell anymore. That is a, a legit fear that I that that will change. Yeah. I mean, there's other fears, but all all of it around, you know, how that how the biology change might actually mess with 
mm-hmm. yeah. the relationship on some level. Has that is that a thing? Does that happen? It can. Does I mean, have people talked about the smell shifting. Yeah, I mean, your smell changes and the your body, you're like your fat redistributes to a more masculine place. Like your butt might move to your stomach, kind of thing. Like that, like you're you're changing. Yeah, you know, your chemical makeup is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would just that'd be really scary. Mm. But you know, we've talked about it. It's like, I mean, I guess I'm I'm sort of going on off on a tangent here, but you know, like. He has the chance to live in the body he always wanted to live in. I'm not going to get in the way of that, but that's a fear. Yeah. Totally a fear. More to be revealed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get yeah. it. It's like move, I get depressed when I move a couch in my living room. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't know myself anymore. It's like the space, place, space has changed. It's different. Yeah. You get used to it, yeah. and you come around to it, and it becomes the new normal. But it's, you know, changes. Changes hard. Yeah, totally. I wonder though too. Does your body chemistry alter with the person? So it might actually. This this is a hundred percent me making something up. I don't know if it actually happens, but maybe because it's going to be a slow transition. Maybe you'll adjust as yeah, he adjusts. Yeah, maybe it's. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens for yeah. sure. We're in the pronoun change. We're in the pronoun game change oh, okay. already. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I have to. Do I know them? Do I know them? Chip. Tanya, you speak Chip. Chip, you speak Tanya. Oh my word! (laughs) I don't know a single thing about what you're talking about right now. Really? No, I didn't know that was happening. Oh God, we'll have to. When this is over. Oh my word! Oh, are you all right? Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like wondering why your friend. What does it matter if your new friend stinks? (laughs) 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 Some of my friends stink. So, but now I get it. Now you get it. Because you're marrying that person. I am marrying that person, unless he ends up stinking. All right, let's see. We have a podcast about it. It's called The First Time My Body Betrayed Me. Yes. Listen to it. Listen to it. I think that was February. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now we're at Mary Jo. Okay, so I was thinking about this too, and, um, and I was thinking, like, I mean, I've had. I've definitely been in love a couple of times, and but mostly, like like you, like I didn't know what I wanted, but I wanted to be wanted. Like that was my driving force. I was like, I just wanted to be wanted, but I also had in conflict with that um, deep insecurity and fear, and don't come anywhere near me. So like, <laughs> as much as I wanted you to want me, like stay the fuck away, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me, don't touch me. Um, don't look at me, don't talk to me, don't engage with me. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but what I realized was, um, and and what I would do is like, if I liked somebody, I would always say, well, they would never like me because I'm overweight. So like, I would allow my weight to be the thing that kept a a buffer between me and people. And I would, and, and I, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but that, you know, in retrospect, I know that that's what I was doing. And then I started thinking, like, well, the truth is that the really the first love of my life is food. So um, I'm going to tell that story. So um, <laughs> and I don't really have a st- well, I do have some stories. And and but what I was thinking was like, because I've also had like a couple of like because I would do this, and this is going to sound really pathetic, or maybe it won't, and I'm just projecting that onto you, um, that I would get involved with people who were pretty f- like fucked up like really people that were really emotionally messed up or like 
you know, I, I don't know if that was because I sort of lowered my standards or what it was. And I don't mean to say like they were bad people. They weren't, but, um, and most of them are dead now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Thank God. yeah, they're not listening. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but, um, but the thing that, and it was always these really tragic, I was always getting my heart broken, but I would set myself up for it. So it's not like I'm not trying to paint a picture of jerks. I really put myself in the position to, they were unavailable or they were, they were jerks. Like I, you know, I kind of got what I thought I deserved at the time. That's what I, that's how, what I created for myself in my life. So, um, which is why like it works with Tanya because she has no upper body strength. So like she can't come at me. Like everything's really good now. My um, so, but the, the constant in my life, the really, the thing that I have loved with, at, with pure passion, my entire life is food. So I thought, well, I'll tell that story. And some of you may have heard some of this stuff and I'll kind of go past some of the early stuff to just sort of get to the insidious things that I did in my relationship with food. So, and, and like you, like I believe very strongly that that starts very early for me and I can't prove any of this, but I know that I was born, um, in need of surgery as an infant and that I was underweight and that the doctors told my mother, you, know, you need to fatten her up really quick and don't let her cry. Cause the surgery I needed to have was I had a hole in the muscle under my ovaries and it had to be sewn up. Um, or the ovaries would drop down and strangulate and I would likely hemorrhage and die. And so they said, don't let her cry because the thing that'll probably make that happen is crying. The muscle use of the muscles to cry will make that happen and then you'll have a dead baby. So my mother didn't want a dead baby. So she said, well, what do I do to keep her from crying? And they said, feed her. So I learned very early on, right out of the gate, if you cry, you'll die. And to stop crying, eat. So I really do believe like that's sort of right out of the gate. That's, that's sort of in my DNA. Um, and that I, uh, then I, then I also was raised, um, uh, very hippie and, and very like vegetarian eating or macrobiotic diets. So we didn't have a lot of junk food in the house. So then I would have to seek that stuff out. So I had sugar became very quickly, uh, uh, uh my first boyfriend and I had to find <laughs> sugar. Like I, I, it was Romeo and Juliet to like, where for art thou sugar like I was and go to the ends of the earth to find sugar like whatever it took I was going to find it I was going to steal it I was going to keep it from you I was going to lie about it I was going to hide it I mean I was like at a very young age so um so I made a list I have a list of Ooh. um things that I did in this in my search to spend time with my lover sugar um <laughs> because it became like this forbidden thing like my mother would say, that's it. You know, you're only eating three ounce grilled lamb chops and raw asparagus. Like, that's it. That's all you're eating. And I'm watching everything you eat. And, uh, you know, like I'm controlling. And it really was like, you can't see that boy anymore. That's really how it manifested to me. Yeah. Like, you can't have this thing you love. And I would go to, I would do whatever it took really, really early. For example, when I was seven, I convinced a five-year-old to marry me. <laughs> And his mother to make us a wedding cake because I wanted cake. And we had a, we had a wedding. We gathered kids and, and adults. And we, I mean, I staged a wedding and it was like, we walked down an aisle. He wore a dress. I wore a top hat. He was five. I was seven. And I was like, we're getting married. I do cake. Time for the cake. Let's cut the cake. Can we cut the cake? Let's eat it. All right. Great. Uh, who am I going to marry next? Like, it was like. And then I realized, like, I can manipulate time with my boyfriend 
food, uh, and it mostly was cake. So then when I was nine, I had a really strict Russian Orthodox Catholic babysitter. Um, and uh, she, you know, she, uh, she was great. She was uh, really a cool lady. She was the youngest of like, or like middle child, somewhere in there of like 11 kids, like Russian Orthodox, just like super religious and dirt poor. You know, like she just, always, her family always looked like they survived the Dust Bowl. Like they just like, <laughs> I, all my memory of them is like barefoot and they had a, they had a van that they didn't have, there were so many of them, they didn't have a car. They had a, like a, like a moving van that they had bolted um, couches to the floor on the inside and the kids would just sit on the couches in this van. Like that's how they drove around. They were super poor. And she was horrified to learn that we weren't baptized even though we were Jewish. And so she had arranged for us to go to church with her. And then, and I was like, I don't want to go to church. And she was like, well, just, just come with me. And then the first time I was at church, I was like, oh, there's a basement full of cake at church. <laughs> like you go down to the basement at church. There's like a buffet and there's like the sugary, it's like jello molds and cake and cookies and donuts. And like, oh my God, I love church. <laughs> so then it was like, oh, are we going to church? Can we go to church? I really, really want to go to church. So, uh, so I manipulated like, oh yeah, I really. And then I, I, I told her like, I, I, I think I want to be a nun, and um, like I think I need to go to church a lot. And she's like, well, we only go on Sundays. So I was like, no, I really need to go to church. Like I was really like, trying to get her to um, take me to church. And then, um, <laughs> then when I was ten, um, I, so we lived at one time. We lived in this really weird house that was really two houses connected. Because my parents were separated, but they were still living together. It was a real mess. And so there was like this back house where my dad was living in the front house where my mom and was living. But there was like, my room was in the back house, but my, it was really kind of a weird thing. But my room, it was all one, the whole uh, house was one story. And uh, there was a liquor store like two blocks down from like through this alley in this little town that we lived in. And, um, and I used to go in there and like steal candy all the time. And I was constantly doing that. I was like, if I was at a friend's house, I'd be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And then I would go to their kitchen and like look for food and steal junk food. Um, and uh, so I, I was like sitting in my room going, oh, there's candy like right down the street. There's all that candy. It's just sitting there in that liquor store. Like there's all that candy. There's no candy in my house. There's no sugar in my house. There's like brown rice and you know, buckwheat syrup, if I'm lucky, yeah, um, and I go, oh, there's just all that candy, there's just sitting down there, like, nobody's down there, but it's all this candy, and I was obsessing, and obsessing, and obsessing, and I thought, well, I can't just leave the house, and I thought, well, if I get in trouble, and I get sent to my room, if I get really in trouble, and I get sent to my room, like, no dinner, you are not coming out till morning trouble, then maybe I could sneak out of the house, and go to the liquor store, so I, my mom had uh, inherited these little Hummel figures, like little mm -hmm. ceramic figurines that were her mother's. And my mother doesn't really care about them per se, except that they were her mother's. And so, and her mother is, had died already. And, um, and she had like, and we were pretty poor, like that we actually had some Hummel figures in our house that had some value plus sentimental value. And they were sort of had a place of honor on this little thing. And I was like, if I, you know, if I go for one of those, like it was a very conscious thought. Like if wow. I, if I go for one of those Hummel figures, I'm going to get in trouble. Like it'll be big trouble. Like I can't just hit a kid, like one of my sisters or something. Like I can't, like this has to be like a serious, and I was freaking out. Like I, 
my mind was racing and I was like, oh, this is really, am I going to do this? Like I had enough. I remember very clearly thinking like, you're just a terrible human being, but I'm doing this anyway. And, um, and I just picked it up and I just dropped it, just dropped it. And it just like, and then like nobody came, like it was, you know, like it's a big house. And so like my mom was like, not like nobody heard. So then I'm standing there. Like, I can't go some, like, I can't go, oh my God, who did this? Cause I did this and I'm trying to get in trouble. So I have to wait to be found out. So I'm standing there and like, my thighs are sweaty. It's really horrible. <clears throat> and then eventually I think my brother came in and was like, oh my God. And then my mom came in and then sure enough, like, go to your room. You're, you know, go to your room and do not come out. Do not come out. No dinner for you, which of course would be, as my mother would know, like a huge threat. Like I'm depriving you of a meal. Um, okay, you know, and I go in my room, I lock the door and, you know, I was the oldest of five. My parents were, our, our life was a mess. Nobody paid that much attention anyway. Like the truth is I probably could have gotten away with this without damaging one of my mother's prized possessions, but I just was so <laughs> insistent, um, that I do this. And, um, so now I'm in my room. And outside, there's one window at the back of my bedroom that leads out onto a deck into the backyard. And then I have to get, like, off the deck through, like, there's chickens back there. Like, it's just, it's like <laughs> as white trash as you can think of. Like, it's just a mess. And I have to get around, and then I have to get out of the house, and I have to go down the street, and I have to go down an alley, and I have to go into a liquor store. And I'm 10. So I do all that. So I, <laughs> I like open the window and I, and I go out and I go and I, uh, I put on like a, um, I had, um, jeans that had, uh, applique of a, a roller skate on the uh, pocket <laughs> that had oh real laces. What town was this in? Again? This was up in Northern California. Oh. And, um, and, uh, so I, like I had my little roller skate, uh, jeans on and then I was thinking, oh they will be able to, like, to identify me. Like, I was so, like, I was so, like, um, like, Son of Sam plotting. Like, I was really, like, I changed my jeans, and I put on a little jacket with pockets, and I'm like, I'm going. Like, I'm going on a sugar heist. And I just, like, I opened the window, and I jumped off the deck, and I, and I walked down, and I was like, this is so easy. And I walked down to the liquor store, and, like, I saw the guy that I'd seen him before, and I'd stolen from this liquor store before. Like, it wasn't like I had never done this. Like, I'd stolen, like, a, a candy bar or something, but... I was like, for me, this is like, I'm going for this. Like, I'm going to get, this is like the stash. This is like my Ocean's Eleven or something. Like, I'm really going for this. And uh, and just like the cold fear of being being in that liquor store and um, and all of like the beautiful packages of like, you know, whatever it was, like the $100,000 bar mm -hmm. and the, yeah, yeah, and the Charleston Chew and the, and the, um, just whatever, like the Lickum sticks and whatever. And I was just like, being sneaky and like when somebody would come in and I think I really was like reading magazines. So like I had no idea about that rule apparently. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and just st sticking things in my pocket and then, and then just like walking out of the liquor store and nobody said anything and nobody did anything. And I, you know, I don't know if this was like, <laughs> like, it seems like it's so prevalent now. Like, there's cameras everywhere, and everybody's so on the lookout. Like, I, like I want to say, like, maybe this was pre-crime. Like, I don't know. I just really, I knew that I was doing something wrong, but I didn't really think I was going to get caught. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I, I walked, like, the three blocks back, and then I went around the gate and, like, through the chickens and up on the deck and back in my window. And, 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 like, I have no idea if somebody's come to my room or not. Probably not. Like, the door is still closed. 
it's exactly as I left it and whatever. And then I hid under my blankets and was like oh eating God. candy, eating candy, oh. eating candy all night. And then like the having to dispose of the wrappers and um, and just that obsession, mm. that obsession. And I and I I mean I'm really glad to say that I have not felt that kind of obsession for any human being because that would be really um, really horrible for the human being. Um, cause it was so unhealthy. It was so like manic and crazy, but this, but it is like that passion of like, Oh, I have to have that. And then the irony of, Oh, and I was good. There was another time, like, this is so horrible. I, st- <laughs> there was a, um, I lived in a community. This was in Ohio, And, um, I think that's what you were asking. Or, or no, I was just trying to picture. Oh, like, <laughs> so then when I was when I was uh, I think thirteen, I uh, I, st- I stole a ham. So we were we had this kid. This Whoa. is so horrible. We had this kid. We had this kid that um, was staying. At, like had come to us uh, to um, because his parents were like really abusive, and so he was like living at our house for like safe harbor basically, and. Um, and then there was food in the fridge because there was a party time. Like my, my my mother was having a workshop or something. It was like this food's off limits. You can't have it. Well, that was like a trigger for me. Like if I can't have it, I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have it. I'm gonna have it. Um, you know. So it's very much like the bad boy of like you can't have him. Oh yes, I can have that ham. I'm gonna have that ham. <laughs> and um, I don't even know that I wanted a ham. I was just like I'm gonna get whatever I can get. And like open the fridge and I grabbed a ham. It was one of those like honey baked hams and I grabbed it and I took it to my room. And I'm like picking at this ham, and then my mother comes in. She's like, "What the fuck is the ham?" And I was like, "I didn't do it." That kid whose name I can't remember, like that poor tortured, like beat up kid. Yeah. Oh no. And I said, "He took it." And as I'm saying it, a chunk of ham <laughs> flies out of my mouth. Oh my god. Fly as I'm falsely accusing this horrible <laughs> abused. Abused. <laughs> my obsessive love as i'm telling this story thinking this is so off uh, off topic but this is this is the story i told oh yeah flying him um but yeah that was my um my obsession like my dark and it's like the things that i've given up the the price that i've paid for this love affair with food the relationship that i've had with that you know, and I've gotten in the way of real human contact because of food. And I've, I've, uh, I've never had a relationship end because of it, but I've certainly had relationships not be able to start because of it. Mm-hmm. And whether it's from a small reason, like I'm not going to leave the house because I'm going to stay home with my boyfriend food <laughs> um, or lie about food or whatever. Like, but that, you know, in thinking about this tonight of like, and especially because I would just use my weight as an excuse not to get into a romantic relationship. So that irony of like, maybe it's not irony, but just the, oh, just, one love keeping you from yes. from love. When you did the that lap band thing, yeah, would that did that fuck with your head? Because that's a whole thing of breaking up with your boyfriend. Yes, well, that is also we we've done that we've covered that on this podcast yeah. too. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean uh, the lap band. Um, was like a chastity belt in a way. Like I'm gonna lock off that part of me. Like I can't have food now. Like that was my mother in a in a in a mechanical form. Mm-hmm. That was the three ounce grilled lamb chops. Yeah. You know, and then my body rejected it. So that was <clears throat> that was the story that I told in the podcast was that that thing almost killed me because my body rejected it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, yes, it, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then I had all sorts of shame around that. 
around failing at that, which is a whole other level of crazy. But, um, but yeah, especially cake. I mean, I love cake. Wait, <laughs> clearly kids, I love cake. We didn't have a lot of junk food in the house. We had those little mini crumb cakes. Remember those things? Little, little, oh, yeah. That we would go through like instantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have little weird little bumps on yeah, the top oh of them. Yeah, oh my God. Delicious. Delicious bumps. And uh, <laughs> delicious bumps of sugar <laughs> and cinnamon. And we had soda every once in a while. And I remember Ian and Jennifer would like go through the soda in like a day. But we didn't have a lot of sugar in the house. And I remember this girl, Carrie Thornton, in high school. Her mom compulsively bought candy but neither of them really ate it so we go to her house and it's the first time i've ever had stale candy because there was so much candy in the cupboards of their house that it actually had gone bad which i don't even know how that's possible but i to me it was like oh my god there's all this candy like i couldn't and i i've done those things where somebody's house and they have oh especially babysitting jobs like oh oh, yeah love you need a babysitter how long, how long you yeah. be out? What time you be yeah. home? You're telling oh me home? What time you be home? First time I had Cool Whip was on a babysitting job because it was not allowed. Oh, yeah, house. yeah. Access to like cereal and I mean anything. Like dig through anything. Oh, frozen burrito. Popsicle. Like, I mean, I just like. <laughs> 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 it was funny. You talk about like you've never been obsessed with a person like that. Yeah. But I can tell you that I have. Like, like I would do any, you know, like just a full on obsession. And now that I'm married, it has sort of, I realized it has moved to things like food. Like, Interesting. Because now I have to be stealthy for, you know, needy things and stuff like that. And it's like, I den- I'm denying myself something for the first time because, you know, we're character actors and then all of a sudden you're playing a, you know, sexual being. And that denying myself these things, I, I mean, I almost sent my husband, like, packed to a hotel because... I got through these nude scenes, and then I saved a cronut for myself. And I woke up the next morning, and there was, like, powdered sugar on the counter and no cronut. And I was, like, apoplectic over it. <laughs> I was out of I can get in a car and go buy a donut. It was just That's not the these, point, yeah. It's not the point. It was that I, I had denied myself this for months, and then I had one that was going to be my reward, and it wasn't there. And, I mean... It's like I've never given two craps about food before, and and it's funny how when sort of the romantic part is faded, it, what you're denying next, it, that fix, mm-hmm. that fix, like moves to a new thing. Yeah. Well, they say sugar stimulates your brain the same way, cocaine. like cocaine. Oh, does. it's poison. It's absolutely so poison. So imagine people falling in love, like their brain lights up the same yeah. way mm-hmm. does. Yeah. So there's all those things that are bad for us, but they make our brains go like. Crazy. And it's so hard to be like, you know, find it through meditation and exercise. Like, <laughs> but even exercise, people get psychotic about that and then break their bodies down because they're getting a high off of it. And they, that whole everything in moderation is what we're all supposed to be doing. And I think there's like 10 people on the planet who've managed Well, and deprivation is such a tough thing. Even with television, like we weren't allowed TV and no TV. And then there was a period where we, had, we were allowed three hours a week. And we would like fight over what, what like, it's gonna be the Waltons. No way, it's not House <laughs> in the Prairie. Whatever it was, like we would fight over it. Um, and then we realized that there was like right next to the liquor store was a was a um, oh god, what was the name of that store? It was like a it was like a like a one stop shop little tiny store. I forget what it was called. It was like a like a 
um, oh, it was called Western Auto. That's what it was called. And they sold everything. They sold like car tools for your car, but also lazy boy recliners and TVs. And they had like four TVs for sale in front of four recliners for sale. And so you, I, we would sneak down because we were latchkey kids too. And we would sneak down and sit on those recliner chairs and watch. And they'd, you kids get out of here. We would maybe get 20 minutes in before they would kick us out. But yeah, like that, I can't have it, so I have to find it. And then my, and then my my mother saying like, you're not allowed to go down there anymore. And um, like the store owner had called her, and she was like, if you want television, you're gonna have to pay for it yourself. And then again, <laughs> like my crafty little manipulating mind, I was like, all right, I'm getting cable, and if you want to come over to my house and watch TV, it's fifty cents. And I would oh. charge my friends, and we had a little can, and I would collect the money, and then I'd be like, here you go, mom, pay the bill. <laughs> And she would like have to like the one thing I could get my mom on was like you made a commitment you gave me your word you are so sweet I'm I such know. an <laughs> asshole smartest kid I was hoping you were gonna say you sold you sold all the rest of the Hummel to get oh, the money no, for the but TV can you, and 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 I don't and my mom I don't I'm sorry mom like she's gonna hear that she doesn't know that I that deliberately did that and she'll have no memory of this anyway because she has a, such a weird memory but um there at my brother's house every time I see them I'm like oh. <laughs> and then she'll say like well which one do you want when I die I'm like I don't want any of them I don't give them to the other I like, broke I, the I, one I, was yeah, yeah, I already had mine it's uh, gone I, I had mine it's, sheet. Yep. it's <laughs> gone it's gone <laughs> I ate a th- 100 grand bar. But you guys, I stole a ham. And then I tried to blame <laughs> the, the theft best. of the ham on a like a uh, battered kid. Like one of those spiral cut hams? <laughs> yes. Those like, are great. Oh, with the candy coating? Yeah. I mean, that's Ugh, where heaven is. So gross. Spiral cut ham. Spiral cut. I stole a ham. Honey baked hams. It Can like you imagine? Hams. Like, get out of my way. I got a ham. <laughs> You're a cartoon cat. Ham. You are Garfield. Oh, that's <laughs> the worst thing anyone's ever said to me. You're Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's my story. <laughs> Yay! Yay! All right, so all right, this is our wrap up. Yep. Uh, so really quickly, we're gonna go around the room, and you can people will tell you where they you can find them because they're all delightful, and you probably want to follow them on social media, except for Carrie, who apparently is afraid of social media. So Michaela, I uh, you can find me on your Hulu subscription. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, uh, watch, watch casual. Mm-hmm. We're shooting season two right now, and it's gonna be really good, I think. Yeah, Michaela's amazing. Thank you, Colleen. You I wrote casual a... is amazing. Yeah. When are you gonna be naked? Because I wanna kind of tito. Uh, just so I can warn my parents. Um, <laughs> no, you don't have. To. No, it'll be just be a surprise. 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 Naked. That'll just be a hook to get you to watch all of them. Okay. See, Michaela naked. All right, person. <laughs> I have nothing to plug except uh, at Kev Burnt at Twitter. Spell it. K-E-V-B-E-R-N-T. And you'll see a lot of cool retweets about the Democratic <laughs> primaries. Carrie? <Yes. laughs> <laughs> I guess the only thing is I re- that I have in my life right now at all is reruns of JAG. I have nine years of reruns <laughs> of JAG on the Inspirational Channel. Please watch. Channel. Channel. Awesome. Well, we have to get we have to get you on social media. This is an, a nice. I know. It's a lot it's just of a necessary evil. There that want to ask you a lot of questions. Right. I know. But I can't wait. It's serious. My demographic's fake, amazing. Fake name. And also, want. Carrie goes to uh, Iraq or Kuwait or yeah. Talk about like, that a little bit. As have you. I have been once, but you do it every year for how many years? Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're just under sixteen. Wow. Performs for the troops. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I like what is. It, you said you stood up. <laughs> Michaela was on 
Ambien because you were just. Oh my God, it was the first time I ever took Ambien. And, <laughs> and she's a, I like, tell the story all the time. Love because I don't remember the food. Sam. It was lamb. <laughs> I ordered lamb for about twenty minutes on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> to the pilot, not to the stewardess. The, the, the pilot. The pilot comes back to say hi and thanks for what you guys are doing. Blah blah blah. And she goes, I like lamb. <laughs> And she was pontificating about how much she loved lamb <laughs> to the pilot awesome. of the plane. Awesome. That was genius. That was genius. I'm going to develop, uh, I'm going to create a, a Twitter handle for you, Carrie Turner, at some okay. point. Uh, I'm at Mary Jo LA, and then we are at My First Time Pod. And then you run out of um, uh, characters. So at My First Time, spell out first. Yeah. M Y F I R S T T I M E P O D. At my first time pod. And then the website for the podcast is my first time podcast. podcast dot net. net. And again, spell it F I R S T. Um, and if you have an idea for um, a, a topic you'd like us to cover, tweet it to us. Yeah. And we'll pay attention to that tweet. <laughs> and um, happy April 1st. Yeah. And is there something else? Is Thanks for oh. having us. Yeah, yeah Michaela Watkins, Kevin Burns, and Carrie Turner. I'm Mary Joseph. And Colleen Smith, who I say on this every time. My Twitter is at Colleen Smith, so C O L L E E N S M I. And then it's April 1st when this airs, and April 4th, 18th, and 25th, I'm doing a show called The Knot that I wrote and directed and I star in. And it's fantastic. Great. Ian Smith did the soundtrack to it. It's a post apocalyptic grindhouse comedy. Lots of girls in no clothes beating each other up. Different than anything you've ever seen, and I would love for you to come. So you can go to the Growlings website, or you can follow me on Twitter and find out about it. And then we want to thank Ian. Ian do you got anything to promote? Yes, actually, April first, uh, KXLU seven p.m. I'm live on the air, Ooh. and rolling Ooh. under uh, biblical proof, correct? Uh, biblical proof of UFOs, yes. which is Ian's band. Yes. Nice. All right. And then uh, follow T Chick McClure uh, at T Chick Photo. On Twitter, yeah. And if you want, if you need a picture taken, check it out, and you can get your picture taken. She'll he'll put she'll, she he put on game. <laughs> he'll put glitter all over your face and take a picture of you. They're amazing. They're amazing. Look no at the amazing. website. Um, thanks you guys. Thanks for, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hooray! Yay! 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 Yay!